Welcome to the Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Your host, Chris Otto, happy to be with you from Tennis Paradise on Thursday. We are officially deep into the business end of the BMP Paribas Open. We have a pair of women's quarterfinals and a pair of men's quarterfinals on tap today. It's going to be a busy, beautiful day for tennis at Indian Wells. I'm sitting outside of practice court three where we are awaiting the arrival of 18-year-old phenom Bianca Andreescu. She'll be up at 11 a.m. and it's about 15 minutes till first ball. Should be an incredible day for tennis. Happy to share it with you guys and also happy to share an interview with a friend and colleague by the name of Richard Osborne. Osborne is currently covering the tournament for BMPParabasOpen.com. You can find all his articles there. And we caught up for a little bit of a chat this morning to tee up today's events. out with a friend at practice court 17 i have a guest today by the name of richard osborne who's spending his time out here in tennis paradise covering tennis for the bmp paribas open good morning richard i'm suffering out here in the desert son <laughs> suffering i'd rather be in the rain back up in san francisco yeah so as you can see we're having a very difficult time blue skies little breeze blowing here um it's pretty quiet on the practice courts i think we have luke jensen behind us I'm hitting with an older gentleman. It's uh, quieted down. The draws have narrowed down. I think we're going to have some quarterfinal action today. So, uh, Richard, quickly, what are we looking forward to today? What are you excited about? Well, I think, you know, I mean, what's not exciting about watching Venus have a nice run here, hitting the ball like she was years ago. I mean, here she is, 38, and striking the ball well. Unfortunately... She's running into Kerber, who, who likes a little pace and can play off that. So I don't think that's going to be an easy one for her. But it would certainly be a feel-good pick uh, to see her, her do something here. Yeah, and that is the 5 o'clock. The night session moved back by one hour tonight. That'll be Venus versus Angelique Kerber at 5. Venus, 38 years old. She just does not know when to quit. She just keeps proving people wrong and that's been a theme actually that we have talked about this week and that we have seen 38 year old Venus Williams 37 year old Roger Federer a nice run by Philip Kohlschreiber who you inform me is 35, 35. and <laughs> don't forget the 40 year old Ivo Karlovich oh, my goodness Making made history 16 so yeah excellent so what do you make uh, used to say 30 is the new 20 maybe now 38 is the new 26 so what is going on it's here? interesting if you look at what's happening right now and of course you could turn back the clock and look at what ken rosewall was doing back in the day um, in his late 30s and into his 40s but we have this interesting gap which we really see here in the desert which is this group of, of teenagers we've got five girls who are in the top 100 in the wta we've got the Canadian teens in Auger Aliassime and Shapovalov are in the top 100 on the guys' side, and they're making some noise. But then you have the other end of the spectrum, like you say, Roger and Rafa and all these guys in their 30s and all the way up to Evo at age 40, and they're still doing well. And I've been talking all week, asking questions about that to Roger and Rafa and everybody of why they think that's happening. And a couple of them have hit on a theme. Uh, Roger talked about it yesterday. It's just that... Let's hear this. It's it's more scientific 
nowadays you know the the training is better he talked yep. about back in the day you you had a banana on court and you took an ice bath <laughs> i after. heard that that made me laugh <laughs> and that was about it and he sort of still likes that mentality he's never one to crank up the science too much but um you know nowadays it's gotten pretty specialized and so i think you know people are taking better care of their bodies they're lasting longer but the other point he made too was that he thinks that these these players nowadays really appreciate where they are and they like the process he's certainly one who does not all the players love to you know the media side of things and the travel and the practice and yeah all the things you have to do off court to get yourself ready to play tennis at this level and you kind of have to love it like you look at a guy like Eva why is he still out here probably because he loves to play the game still and and so that was Roger's point of of you know they love to be around the scene and, and that's that's the base you got to have but I think also you know the game has become so much more physical than it ever was and that might be a reason why the teen breakthroughs aren't happening right as often as they used to um, and you know nowadays players are, are peaking more into their you know mid late 20s and and on the guy's side even into the 30s yeah well I don't think that Dr. Ivo Karlovich minds too much that he earned about $91,000 for his trip to the round of 16 either. The prize money's better. That might be a motivating force for these guys. Well, it's sure. not, not Roger. It's, it beats the, the, the cubicle <laughs> in Silicon Valley. Yeah. That's my opinion. I but. think so. But yeah, but, but let's flip the script and look at some of the younger players. And, and when I think about teenagers at at the BMP Paribas Open this year, there's one name that comes into my head, and that's Bianca Andreescu. Oh, my gosh. What this, a revelation. This girl is so much fun, and this, this is one of the things this tournament's been able to do over the years, and we saw it, of course, with Osaka last year, having her breakthrough here. But you get introduced to players you don't know much about, and she's she's struggled through, through some injuries. But this year, I think she's 26-3 and three now on the year, and just coming out of nowhere, she's 18. She's super grown up. What a she she meditates every morning. Yeah, I read your piece she, on her last <laughs> night on BMP Paribas. She's Open. really com. interesting. You know, I'm thinking I've got a daughter who's the same age, who's who's not quite as grown up as that. But to be able to sit up there and have that kind of confidence and that kind of vision, and she, you know, she goes up against Muguruza, and she wasn't. There were no deer in the headlights there going not. on there. She just cleaned her. Yeah. As, I, <laughs> As you saw. Yeah, I think you're right, and you hit on a nice little topic with her because, yeah, there's the game, which is explosive, diverse. She's a, obviously a very talented player, but there's a maturity. There's something about her mental makeup that has enabled her to kind of like almost ease through this run where the pressure is clearly growing every round. She's done a lot of media all season since she reached the final in her first event at Auckland. And she's, she even has said it's overwhelming for her, but she's managing it so well yeah. and like you you alluded to the meditation and she's just a really mature kid so maybe she'll be able to kind of um, brush off all the pressure that she's going to encounter and just continue on her path this season yeah i i, I you know again with osaka last year what she came in here in the mid 40s yep right we knew she was a good player you knew she had power she yeah. could hit the ball but you didn't know what what was going on upstairs so to speak and so she wins the title here last year and then of course proves that it was no fluke and has this just amazing run so Andreescu you know who knows if she's going to jump that high but she's already going to be I think she came in here at number 60 she's already going to be jumping into the 30s at the very least so um, you know and just seems to have a presence on the court so you know maybe we'll see her uh, continue throughout the rest of the year.
yeah, if she's going to face Elena Svitolina in the, in the semifinals tomorrow, and that's that's going to be a very nice matchup, be, just because Svitolina is going to make her work for everything. I'm so excited. That that's to me gonna is going to be, gonna be the, is the most hyped match in my own mind of all the matches this tournament. And there've been a lot of them, but I'm I'm just super excited to see what she can do as as she progresses. How, sp- speaking of Svito, how about last night? We have the Super Couple Showdown. We have Svito come on, show her mental toughness on the court. And then her new boyfriend, Gaia Monfils, comes on the court, and and we never quite know what to expect from you know one of the most just wildly talented players we've seen in a long time. And he's he gets Cole Schreiber, who's now pushed aside Kyrgios and the world number one, he and demolishes he just demolishes him. And and everybody making comments about how serious he looks, the, the look in his eyes, and it's. It's and everybody, of course, wants to credit his relationship with Alina Svitolina, and it's hard not to hey, make a connection between the hey, two right now. Look, she's got a work ethic. Gem's life. She <laughs> Gem's life. She <laughs> wants to win. I, I really. I mean, we've been through this before. We, La Monf, as we call him, has had stages in his career, and we write the same story. He looks serious now. He looks like yes. he's ready to get serious. But this feels a little different he was I think dropped to 39 now he's up to 19 he's had a great year won the title in Rotterdam that was big you know and he comes in with a little bit of the way he played last night I mean come on that level was so high gosh but to see them go back to back was kind of a nice story but you know I, I I don't think that that's just sort of you know tennis gossip I think there might be a nice little Svitolina effect absolutely happening for him. There is a connection, and it was funny because I went into press to talk with Svitolina after her victory over Marketa Vondrosova, and she was totally hip to the score. She's like, "It's two nothing in the first, so things are going good." I mean, <laughs> she is on her phone checking these scores. Uh, of course, saw, she had to watch quick because it only took twenty minutes I for know, that first set. By the time she left press, it was four nothing. She wasn't aware of that by then. But, but I mean, she, you know, she's pumped up, and I think Gael knows. Hey, hey, you know, Alina wants me to win this match, so I, it's it's really cool what they're doing. They're having a lot of fun with it on social. I mean, I mean, we've got so much. We get so much tennis out here, but but the other stuff is usually the stuff I'm not focused on. But it's entertaining. It's cool. I've really enjoyed the the fact that they're involving the fans this way with social. That's great. That's great. But I'll tell you what, the Monfils got an interesting matchup with Team, who people tend to take lightly. Moving and, on, let's talk yeah. about that Austrian, that strapping young yeah. Austrian. <laughs> well, look, and we talked about this before, but. If anyone was watching the U.S. Open last year and saw the Team Nadal match, which is one of the great matches, not just in New York of all time, but anywhere. And the first set for, for Team to be a, a supposedly a clay quarter and to blank Nadal in that first set six love and play some of the cleanest tennis you'll ever see. Yes, he lost the match in five hours. Oh, my goodness. Five what a sets, match. but... He really showed that he's not just a clay court player. Yes, eight of his 11 titles have come on clay. Last year, his Grand Slam breakthrough came by reaching the final for in sure. Roland Garros on the red clay. But this guy can play hardcore tennis, no doubt. And, and that, that matchup with Malfis, depending on which Malfis we see, um, I think is going to be really intriguing. That's another one to get pumped about. And you're right about Dominic Team. The the. the it's undeniable the progress he's making on the hard courts, the quarterfinal at the U.S. Open, the title later in the year on the indoor hard court in yeah. Russia. And we worried about him a lot for the first couple months of the season. 
he told me yesterday that he had a very productive off season, but that he probably pushed it a little too hard. And so maybe now he's finally kind of finding his form here. So who knows? We could see, you know, big things from him in this weekend at Indian Wells. For sure. And, and, you know, here he is sort of on this mission to show that he's no one court wonder, which is what I wrote yesterday. But, uh-huh. and people thought, well, then why are you bringing Nicholas Masu on board? Who's really, you know, was a clay quarterback in the day, but his point was, Hey, you know, he may have been a clay quarter, but his signature moment really came at the Athens Olympics. He swept the singles and doubles in Athens. And, of course, that was on a hard court. Yeah. So he, I think that the reason why they, they've joined together is um, to sort of help him bridge that gap, that, you know, show him that he's, he can play on, uh, on more surfaces other than clay. So the Masu pairing at first looks strange and and yet as you step back and look at it it might be the perfect fit for him yeah i think you're right because i think he'll always be a natural clay quarter and he's a guy that's going to have to ease his way in much like rafa had to do and to get the information from a clay quarter that did maybe made took the same path to yeah. learn learn the hard court game it might be you know it might be a better way for him to go rather than do something drastic and try to play a completely different style of tennis absolutely i agree but he's somebody to keep an eye on here for sure. I mean, look, we've been talking about him since early next-gen days. He's one of those guys, and you hear, you know, Borna Koric and some of these other players, but but he's solid. But and He's a top-ten player, and if not higher, really, talking about him more as a top-five guy. Well, I think if you're talking about him having more success on hard courts like he is right now, pick up those ranking points. I think this is how he's going to move to the top five, and this is how maybe three, four years down the road he gets to number one. And another point I'll make is that, you know, we're not very far from beginning the clay court season. He's coming here with pretty much no momentum, so this is a huge tournament for him in terms of setting the table for the clay as well as proving himself on the hard court. So a lot at stake for team. Absolutely, and ironically, here we are in the States – on the hard courts it's supposed to be fast and and as we've heard the last week week and a half is that these courts are playing so slow and the ball's coming up high so it's kind of oddly playing like clay and and these guys are able to slide around on it even a little bit so it's interesting but i think it plays well plays out well for team yeah we can look at the courts right now or at least the practice courts they are just total sandpaper yeah beautiful though right you want to get out there are you kidding me practice court 17 if we could ever get out of the press I mean, nobody's here we can <laughs> give me give us a couple of rackets we can embarrass ourselves maybe for a Lu- few minutes maybe luke will lend us <laughs> um yeah speaking of tennis courts and tennis tournaments tennis paradise you hear it over and over it's kind of drummed into our head but the reason you hear it over and over because it, it there really it, there really are elements of paradise out here it's a it's a gorgeous place you look around we're like in a bowl and surrounded by the mountains, snow-capped behind us. It's pretty much the ideal San weather. The San Jacinto Mountains, yeah, how about that? It's, it's gorgeous, and the weather has been, well, we did have a little rain. It's been a little breezy at times, but overall, the vibe here is just so, so unbelievable. What, what are, You've been doing the tournament for years, and I know you know the history of, of, of Indian Wells and how it was before and now how it is now post-Larry Ellison. What, what are your, some of your takeaways from it's, what you've seen? You know, I mean, this thing about it being the fifth slam is is said because it's true and but you know the interesting progression is at one point and I remember Goran Ivanisevic back in the day coming down here complaining you know this is a retirement community there's nowhere to go it's a bunch of old people down here and that was the take on the tournament nothing but players didn't like it 
Yeah, well, he the probably pickle- didn't say that back then. <laughs> the pickleball crowd, which is a good thing nowadays, apparently. Um, but you know, there was there was a time when this tournament they were going to sell it. I mean, that's how how oh my how bad it got. Imagine and then, if that happened, you know, Ellison comes in and really just sort of reinvents this place in the desert, and suddenly we have Nobu and Spago and, and packed doubles. Stadium, stadium nine packed with doubles with single stars people who come to sit and watch the practice courts i had a friend come down from oakland came out i asked him which matches he watched he just parked on practice courts and watched he had one raf on one court nadal on the other just sat there the entire day watching practice but it it is incredible atmosphere it's a destination the europeans love it because they come over it's winter there yeah people on the east coast like to come out here people drive down from la i mean it is a total destination and the whole kind of manicured landscape, grounds, and the scenery, everything. The, the players love it. They'll, a lot of the players will tell you it's their fam- favorite tournament on the tour. So, yeah, um, tennis, the pe- tennis paradise thing is it's kind of real. Yeah, the, you just you just breathe it in out here. It's 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 undeniable. So if you have not come to the BMP Paribas <laughs> Open, you really need to. It's a bucket list. We're not joking about about this tennis paradise thing. It's uh, it's unbelievable, and the, and the quality of tennis. I mean, everybody's here and. The doubles, I mean, I'm harping on it, but the doubles draws are great. And it's cool to see old school doubles teams like the Bryan brothers and like Airbear Mahu try and take, they love to try and take down top singles players. Then you got meet up. Djokovic. Djokovic is still <laughs> in the draw. I mean, I mean come he, on. He wants to win this thing badly. <laughs> I, th- I, I hope they make the final. It saved him the other day when he lost in singles yeah. to Cole Schreiber. He, he had to, to go straight to play doubles <laughs> in it. He talked about yeah, it. It helped him sort of be able to compartmentalize it and. And, and forget about it <laughs> yeah so yeah unbelievable so so richard um thanks for chatting um before My we go pleasure. i want you to plug yourself i want you to tell the listeners where you are on twitter what you oh, do they don't want to hear about you, me what you're doing at the vmp Paribas <laughs> open where they can find you and where you're headed next well i i've been down here for a few years working for the tournament website itself bnp paribasopen.com um, and that's just been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I had my many, many years, 15 years, in fact, with Inside Tennis Magazine. And then yes. as uh, the print world started to dry up, uh, decided to go it on my own. So these days, um, you never know. I mean, this will be my 20th year at the U.S. Open. Um, the oh, last cool. five or six years has been with usopen.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, freelance pieces here and and there and different publications all over the place so some atp i've seen yeah and i spent uh, a, a good run with uh, atp paul mcpherson over at the atp and lots of good people how, there how long would you say you you've written about tennis now you know i started in tennis in 1997 which cool. is ridiculous but that's when i jumped in i think one of my first events was covering the what was then known as the Safeway Challenger in Aptos, California. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah, Jan wins. Michael Gamble. Cool. <laughs> two hands off both wings winning his first pro tournament. That was my introduction to tennis. And that is one of the 100K challengers. Yeah, it's a day, good, right? yeah, it's a good. Yeah, still tournament. there on the coast in, in Northern California. Actually, a really nice spot. Yeah, not um, far from some good, some good wa- tasty waves. And speaking of this tournament, thank God that tournament is still there because we've lost a lot of events in California, as you know. The San Jose men, second oldest tournament in the United States, the U.S. Open, gone. UCLA men, fantastic event for years, gone. We had the women down at 
La Costa in San Diego. We had women in Manhattan Beach. Um, the You're right. the women's tournament at Stanford has moved to San Jose State now, but I don't know if it's quite what it used to be. So we we need to hang on to these events and thank God for Indian Wells. Yeah, thank God for the stronghold down here in the California desert. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's been a little bit tough for sure. And and your social, your Twitter, you're out there. I've, your photographs, the black and whites, very good. They made me a little jealous because I'm also like an amateur. Well, well, you're kind of a pro. I'm also running around trying to take artistic shots of this beautiful <laughs> place, and your black and white struck me. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. In my first years in tennis, really, with Inside Tennis Magazine, I was doing both. So for many years oh, at the Open, I was I was on a, a photo I credential, which now. allowed me to get into the media room for interviews but it also allowed me to get on the court to shoot and so now i see yeah so that's a little bit of my are those iphone shots those are the ones not, here yeah yeah, the, yeah oh they are yeah Indeed. those are just i didn't bring them the the big rig. pretty handy with that phone of yours <laughs> and twitter twitter yeah and your uh, your twitter give, give at, everybody your hand at rw osborne O-S-B-O-R-N, so at R W. help me get more than 21 followers, please. <laughs> Perfect, Richard. Thanks for taking time to sit with me here outside practice court. My, my pleasure, Chris. I mean, we are, we're lucky to be here in the desert. All right, we'll talk soon. Enjoy the rest of the journey. Sounds good. Special thanks to Richard Osborne for joining us. You guys should head over to Twitter, give him a follow, check out some of those wonderful photographs he's been taking, and be sure to follow along with him at bmpparabasopen.com as he takes you guys through the weekend. Now let's do a quick peek ahead at the order of play for today. We already mentioned Belinda Bencic and Karolina Pliskova will be on court in about 10 minutes on Stadium One. Bencic, of course, 11 victories in a row. Took out the number one seeded and world number one Naomi Osaka in her last match. She is just one to watch at the moment. I think she's broken serve at about 66% of her return game, so it'll be a really critical matchup, her return game against the serve of Pliskova. After that, it's Milos Raonic against Miomir Kecmanovic, the lucky loser from Serbia. He is the first lucky loser to ever reach the quarterfinals at Indian Wells, so something special for the 19-year-old. After that, the night session will begin. Venus Williams at 5 p.m. will be taking on Angelique Kerber, another matchup of a power server, power player against the game's greatest counterpuncher. That should be pretty enticing. And then the final match, the nightcap on the stadium, not before 7 p.m., Gael Monfils and Dominic Team. Pretty exciting day of tennis, and there's also doubles on Stadium 2 starting at 12 noon with a matchup of the number one-seeded Czech tandem, Krejcikova and Sinyakova, against the Chan sisters. So plenty of tennis on board. Another beautiful day at the BMP Paribas Open. I want to thank you all for joining us, and that is a wrap for our program today. Don't forget... You can find us on iTunes. We'd love it if you visit and rate, review, and subscribe the podcast. Also find us on Spotify or our podcast homepage at podomatic.com slash tennisnow. You can find us on social, tennisnow slash Facebook, and hopefully Facebook will work today. You can find us on Twitter at tennis underscore now, also Instagram, and of course, the website, www.tennisnow.com. Oh. 
As the program comes to an end, Bianca Andreescu is here on the practice court. So maybe I'll stick around here for a while. But that is it for the program today. And that is it for us from Indian Wells. We'll be back on the plane early in the morning to cover the rest of this thing from Northern California. I want to thank you guys for listening. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Enjoy the tennis, everybody. <laughs>